0: Okay, my name is Martin Thomas. Um, I, uh, I think I've been asked to uh, introduce this because um, what I've done over the last couple of days is ask um, trade unionists in uh, works liberty to send in accounts of trade union issues in their workplaces and how the issue is playing out in um, their union. And so I'm going to pick up some points from that and um, uh, hope, hope that this will provide a forum to uh, discuss those ideas. Um, uh, Cathy bowled me as saying a bit about uh, the background of COVID-19 and climate change. I propose not to do that in this introduction. There's an, an article by Anita Downs in the last one issue of Solidarity with explains how climate change has um generated the conditions of these pandemics but um uh plainly we're not going to deal with this pandemic by um changing the climate in the next few months it's here now and what we're really talking about is how to deal with it now okay so um i think our one way of putting our um, uh, position here our guiding idea here is that we want um, in this crisis the labor movement to act as and be an essential service like the other essential services it's not something that shuts down for the duration um, so you know, I'm, uh, I'm glad to see, for example, the the UCU uh, put out um, a um, an email saying we're not uh, you know we're not having any big rallies, but we are still having picket lines. Um, uh, I uh, and picket lines, small protests. You know, if you can't organise a big demonstration, you organise a lot of small ones. All those sort of things can be done. Um, uh, I'm not. PCS has said that it's uh, going online only. And that there are some union things that can be done online only, but I'm not I, I'm not happy with that. <laughs> you know, a lot of their members are still going to be at work, so you know, why is it the officials on? And I'm uh, sure so everybody has had the experience. That if you want to get an answer from a union official, you have to email them and wait for a reply. Well, sometimes you don't get a reply, or you get a reply which obviously misses the point of the email. So they're in front of you say no, that isn't the question I ask. I ask this, and after a while they say, oh, but if you're at the other end of a, an email thread, you can't do that. So, um, the labour movement we should consider, we should argue for the labour movement to be an essential, but be, also to act as an essential service. And um, the primary is it's an essential service is in creating the conditions in workplaces where they can be made as safe as possible um, where they can be shut down if necessary we don't want obviously we do not want all workplaces shut down Um, 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 but uh, so these are conditions about sick pay about uh, sick pay for zero hours workers for contract workers uh, there issues like sickness not being counted against, your um, absence uh, count, all those sorts of issues are the layman will be doing an essential service in, the, in this process and to the working class, which is what the Labour is representing, and to the population by winning those issues. Um, the experience is that they can be won. Um, so uh, Bruce, um, I hope will speak just after me and say, "How have you won in Lambeth Council?" Uh, this is right. Okay, it's uh, it's a local government employer. You may think this is an easy push, but this is a local government employer after ten years of cuts, and it's not a left-wing council. This is not a left-wing council. This is not. Uh, this is one of the Blairite councils around. Uh, but the Union has won those things. And um, Stuart, I think, is going to talk about what you can do in uh, workplaces where um, you, you haven't yet won those things. What sort of tactics... Can you, in in um, Lambeth they, they won it. Um, without any sort of industrial action, what sort of industrial action you can take um, which can win these demands. Okay, so that, that's that's the first one. the issues you should take up and how you can um, w- uh, win them if the employer if you if the employer is resistant to in negotiation and with Lower levels of pressure. Um, okay. Well, however, we're not just trade unionists; we're socialists, and um, we're not just oppositionists either. Um, one of the things that Workers' Liberty has stressed what is: we're not just people who say no where the ruling class says yes. So uh, there has been. Um, Firstly, there's been some agitation, in some parts of the left, for example, you know, one was we should have a general strike against the virus, um, which is crazy. It's not like if you go on strike for a week, the virus will say, OK, it's all right, I, I'm no longer going to be infectious. Um, and in any case, we do not want everything shut down. We actually don't want that. We're in favour of general strikes, but these are general strikes which are not going to go on for three months, and, you know, in the meantime the working class starves. and um, they're general strikes in order, um, one of the things we've always argued about general strikes is a general strike can only win if at a certain point the working class starts to take and get society moving again, some workers go back to work and work under workers control. So that sort of model, I think, is, uh, the model says, you know, we want ev- uh, we want everything shut uh, down as soon as possible. It's not a, it's, I, I don't think, for example, there's been uh, there is uh, some people are saying, you know, we should have been demanding schools should have been shut down a lot earlier or a lot quicker. It's not necessarily uh, the right demand at all. Um, and there's, there's, there are lots of other areas where you think well. Is it a particularly left-wing thing to demand this to be shut down? I was thinking, for so example, one of my daughters works as a domestic violence counselor, okay? Right, okay, now it's not in really a central service, in the central health service, but are we necessarily in favour of that work being shut down for, for the next few months? And well, if you're suffering domestic violence, well, you yeah, stay at home. Which you know is not necessarily the best advice for somebody who's suffering domestic violence. Okay, so and also the trade union movement should not appear here. Just obviously there are certain workers who can work from home and it's not a problem, or their workplace can be shut down for a while and it's not a big problem socially. We trade union should not just be the champions of those workers who can go home and assume that other workers lower paid workers are going to make sure they still have their water, running water, their electricity, their food, their internet, you know, and so on. Uh, We want a labour group which, which represents the whole of the working class, including those sections of the working class who do have to keep working. Um, we want a labour group also which does what it can, and you know, a labour movement isn't terribly strong at the moment, but does what it can. Uh, to represent and serve the interests of the very worst-off sections of the class. Like, for example, the homeless. Telling the homeless to stay at home is not very good advice. Um, like, um, workers who are dependent on state benefits, I think one of the demands that, I've discussed this with some of the comrades in the PCS, one of the demands we raise is universal credit should now be paid in advance and immediately rather than with a bit of delay. Um, uh, then there are all sorts of other areas which are not traditional trade union Where the trade unions right, we shouldn't have imagined the trade union is in a condition where it can just be substitute for the the state, the existing state, and they say we're not just opposition, we oppose whatever the existing state is doing. But um, there is, uh, I was talking with Joel, yeah, Joel's here. Uh, Joel, may, maybe you could tell us a bit about your thoughts about mutual aid groups and so on. Uh, not, not right now, but uh, you yeah, know, maybe after, then I think Ruth's going to talk, Stuart's going to talk, but maybe you could come in on that. And, you know. And how is trade unionist and uh, socialists related to that? The other thing we want unions to do is um, not to replace the government, if we're not strong that, but to have a function of demanding information, checking, controlling on such things as requisitioning. Requisitioning, for example, of trade hospitals used by the NFF. Requisitioning of, you know, extra buildings to be used as emergency premises by the NHS. Requisitioning of the pharmaceutical companies, so they operate under the government control, producing what is most necessary. Um, uh, Requisitioning of facilities to help, for example, with the homeless. Um, Requisitioning, um, um, one of the issues that uh plainly this uh, the virus process is going to cause an economic crisis. It would actually it would cause an economic crisis even if you had a socialist system or society. So you know. It's However, under capitalism you have a, a specific addition to this which is what it can very easily lead to is a collapse of the credit system. And argument there is if government should requisition high finance to stop that collapse. I mean, at the moment. You know, what the Bank of England has reduced its interest rate to zero point two five percent. Well, it's zero point five percent already. So that's the mechanism that they have to deal with that. So, what our answer to that is repositioning. Okay. Finally, I just wonder, I say, what, you're saying, what uh, saying. As socialists, we try to learn from the past. Now, um, there are oddly few precedents here. There are precedents of pandemics. The um, biggest one is the Spanish flu pandemic, so called Spanish flu pandemic of 1918 to 1920, in which um, the best estimates are between 50 million and 100 million people died, maybe more than in the two world wars combined, certainly more than in the first world war. Um, now, uh, the, uh, nobody. You know, the bourgeois governments and the late movement. Nobody was in a good condition to deal with that. It was wartime. It was uh, at the end of it and just after the end of the war. And um, in Russia, it was a civil war. And um, nobody knew what the cause of it was. Viruses hadn't. You know, they knew there was probably something smaller than a the bacterium. They didn't know what it was. There's no means to treat um, Now, and, well, partly because that, if you read, um, one, if you read um, the Social literature at the time, it's very odd. Actually, it says very little about it. So, we don't know about the German Revolution. But November 1918, Germany is covered by works like the streets for. That is the peak of the pandemic, of the pandemic, where people were dying in hundreds every day in Berlin. Um, um, but now, firstly <coughs> people don't nobody knew how many people were dying, because infectious diseases were right then. Uh, and a lot of people who died from flu also had other diseases. All the estimates about the numbers are after the event. Um, the Bordeaux governments were hiding information about it deliberately. But the reason why it's known Spanish too was that Spain wasn't a uh, competent in the First World War, so the Spanish government published information about it. So it was thought that this disease was mostly prevalent in Spain, which is simply not true. It wasn't any more prevalent in Spain than anywhere else. The country where it was most prevalent, and this is the big lesson, uh, was India. Something like 18 million people died in India. Eighteen million. Um, and basically because the British administration did nothing at all to help. We I mean, you know. Actually if they tried to help, they wouldn't they wouldn't do probably wouldn't have known what to do, but they did absolutely nothing. Um, 18 million people died. And India, but both within India and India is an example in the world shows the people who died were the poor and the working class. You know, rich people, you know, rich people go to, but why is it important? Because their living conditions were worse, uh, because their general health was worse, because their nutrition was worse, and so on. That you know, that will happen less now. I mean, you know, it is true the average working class patient, but part. First, past person. If you tell them go and stay home, they will have a home and they will have running water, which is not the case would you say. Um, But that generalist, the people most uh, most threat are the poorest, of the working class, and it's our our job to champion them. The other thing, one um, of the one of the places that oddly does the best is New York. One of the things that New York which wasn't done in other cities in uh, the USA, but they kept the schools open throughout the entire um, epidemic. Although Spanish flu, differentially, was more likely to kill um, children than older people, which is COVID-19 is different. In fact, they had relatively small deaths, among children in New York, partly because the sanitary conditions in the school were much better than in people's homes, but also they could monitor it, they could keep, uh, they could uh, give help where was needed, and so on. Um, there's another lesson from the lesson, It is true from the lessons of pandemics that uh, sometimes peace states can work. Uh, you know the Chinese peace state countdown does seem to work. whether it will lead to a new rise right, the Epidemic in China once they release it is another question in the main world. Well. Um, peace states can work, but I, I don't, uh, and there are other examples from this, I don't think it follows that what we, we should be, what we should be pushed into doing is demanding a peace state. just um, in case. And finally, the, the nearest example I can think of from the history of our movement is uh, the famine in Russia in 1891. 1891, there was a great famine in Russia. Something talking uh, the government about it. The relief work, such as there was, was organized by the uh, the local authorities, the same, authorities, which were basically run by the liberal nobility. And uh, there were two. If you read um, biographies of Lenin, possible biographies, they make a great deal it. they say, oh, you know, Lenin really didn't care about the power kind of relief work. Now actually, you know, he, he thought, you know, the war people died the better because it would make the case for socialism. Mm-hmm. Um, now the, what they actually say, it's a distortion. What Lenin is saying is socialists shouldn't just go and absorb themselves in the relief work. Which some did, you know, because they were so. Social- he they wanted to help. And then they took part the under the direction of the Liberal government because that's who was are doing and they didn't have the means to do otherwise. So it's also our job and then what Lenny said and he effect there's a famous article by Trecker um, called the Castor and so He said, what is also our job throughout this to Make the political and make the case of socialism, which they did, and it was after that, uh, it was after, years after this happened, the famine, that the workers' movement first became a mass force in in, um, in Russia. Um, and I've just been read, uh, reading a book about the 1918 pandemic, and it points out the yeah, end. the first health service in the world, Roseville, which was as you might expect, it was the one made by our comrades, Bolsheviks, in Russia. And they've really done it. They didn't do it in time to, to stop the pandemic. They didn't do it in time to stop a lot of the Bolshevik leaders dying in the pandemic. But that was the first health service in the world. And that and it's from that point that bourgeois governments start to begin through beginnings of health insurance to solve. And yours makes it and you're mixing, you can, behind that, uh, it gave an impulse to um, socialists and anti capitalist movements of all sorts of people. One of the lessons they learned was the necessity of taking society under their control so that the next time they could do that. We, we will not be able to take society under our control in the next few months to deal with this process. So, you know, we need to be on the lines of and control that I've discussed, as far as we can. Um, but we can also, that shouldn't stop us, and while we're doing that, we make the case for remaking society. So, um, Martin said
1: that we'd already one, a number of demands in our main employer, which is true. Uh, I have advantages that lots of you don't have in that I work for a labor council and we've already got quite high sick um, pay and also that our employer made a kind of keen stake very early on which helped us which is that um, in local government in terms and conditions you have a right to self-isolate for any infectious disease uh, for, as, for as long as necessary and our employer was telling people that they didn't have that right, and it would come out of their sit pay. And so, because we had information that was different from that, we started emailing and leafleting our members every day, saying the employer was telling you the wrong thing, so you already have this right, but we're also fighting for you to have have other rights, Um, which meant that the kind of momentum was on our side. Um, But the things that we demanded were um, full pay for anyone who needs to self-isolate, um, for it not to come out of people's sickness entitlement so you don't move up stages but also you don't risk running out of sick pay if you've got another condition and uh, the key one is that these shouldn't just be rights for well, like government workers it should be rights for all agency staff, for anyone on zero-hour contracts and for, um, like so our security and cleaning staff are subcontracted out and uh, the employer gave in on that quite quickly I think, so there's two reasons for that one is Employers are quite worried about just chaos happening in organisations, so any big push can kind of push them over. The other is that me and my employer have a common interest in me not getting sick, because if you can manage it, then you don't have to completely shut down your operations, and we run a number of essential services which won't get shut down. Um, and I think that that moves on to the last demand, which we haven't won, which is the right for full pay if your kids' schools get closed down. Because me and my employer have, both have an interest in me not getting sick, my employer does not care. because They know I'm going to go home and look after my kids if I have to. So they don't, they don't care. And so we have to do a kind of a big push on on that demand, and that might involve taking action. Um, I and I think that the school closures. I, I think Martin's wrong about the thing that he says about New. He's he's right that it's good that in Spanish flu, that New York didn't close down its schools, but that is because of the the hygiene conditions of New York homes at the time, and also overcrowding. So you're, you actually were around less people at school than you were if you were at home arguably. And so I, I actually think school closures probably would make sense in this context because we have, we have different conditions in our homes, um, but the New York schools aren't closing now, um, and the reason that they've said it is because they have so many homeless children. Um, they've said that they, they can't, there's 15,000 homeless children in New York City school system. So we very immediately need to start pushing measures around what kind of demands we have around homelessness and emergency measures around homelessness. Um, and at the moment, the government has given councils 500 grand each to deal with coronavirus, which is just nothing, like you, it, you just, it's just nowhere near adequate and you need emergency, um, you need emergency money into various services. Um, so I think that that's very important. I think one of the things we need to notice that there are certain groups of workers who, who now have tremendous industrial power. So cleaners are incredibly important now, and they're some of our lo- lowest paid, um and also their t- terms and conditions are terrible. So you could actually get quite big leaps forward with um particularly in public sector cleaners, but all cleaners, um you could get big leaps forward if you if you have disputes around cleaners. And people are, genuinely quite up for doing stuff, I think, is our experience. Um, so another of the disputes that we're looking to have is that in our organisation, they've doubled the cleaning, but they actually just weren't going to pay people to do more work. They they just said, no, you have to work twice as much, but, but for the same money. So that's another dispute that we're, we're looking to do. And I think, so lastly, I think it's kind of showing kind of fringe barbarities around capitalism. So it's not just that our health means less than money. It's kind of showing up other things in society. So for example, it's showing up the homelessness in New York schools. Um, In China, the domestic violence rate has gone through the roof because people are are in their homes more. And so I think we need to broaden the conversation to things that aren't just immediately about the pandemic and the things we have to do now, but also the things that are kind of being revealed by what's happening at the moment.
2: Um, I'm going to do the opposite of broadening the um, conversation. I'm going to talk about something very specific, but I think it's very significant. Um, so the government advice changed on Thursday so that anyone with a cough or a fever should self-isolate. But there's a structural problem with that within our society, which is that there's about a million workers who haven't got any sick pay entitlement, and these are the most, often the most uh, exploited and, and poorest section of our class is people on zero-hour contracts and other forms of contract that do, doesn't involve citizen entitlement, which means that if they have to self-isolate they get paid £94.25 a week, which is about a third of the net take-home pay of a minimum wage worker and it's less than you get if you're on JSA or ESA where you'd be entitled to housing benefits. So those workers are going to be faced with a very serious problem if they get those symptoms, which is either they go to work and risk infecting everybody else, or they self-isolate and face very severe hardship and poverty. Um, So I think we have to expect that those workers, some of those workers, will go to work. Which means that the government's public health advice isn't going to work because those workers are in most of our workplaces, and certainly they'll have to travel to work. They'll be out amongst the general public. So, um, so that there is something that you can do about this, I'm going to go and do it in my work on Monday. I suggest you all do as well, which is that you. That we have a legal right under the 1996 Employment Rights Act to refuse work on health and safety grounds if we feel that there is an imminent and serious danger. And I think anybody who works in the workplace where there's workers on these type of contracts is potentially in a serious imminent danger. We don't know the exact figures, but this is a disease. That they think is killing about two in every 100 people You do it. Now, in everyday life, you don't go through life with a 2% chance of death. Yeah, it's a serious limit, yeah? And the law actually says that it's about your belief about the the danger, yeah? So you can't be victimised for exercising this right, which also means that the employer has to pay you until the matter is resolved, and that means that this is an action that's like scalable. So, speaking to John Maloney earlier, he's in negotiations with government departments, putting this demand for sick pay for all workers and all contractors. And he said that the PCS will be issuing advice about refusing to work on health and safety grounds if they don't get the um, if they don't get buy-in. For this demand. So you can do it, you know, if you're the Assistant General Secretary of the Union, you could do this with your entire uh, uh, industrial sector. But you can also do it on a smaller scale in a, in a workplace. So I work in um, a mental health clinic, building about 100 workers. There's two bank staff, from what I can make out, and I suspect the cleaners are on um, low intense conditions. Now I could I I could work, I'm a nurse, I could walk out under this, right, and immediately cause quite a big problem for my boss. So I'm saying, you know, this mental health trust isn't isn't safe, it's it's potentially going to spread the coronavirus because of the the lack of sex rights for my colleagues. My trust is connected to a number of hospitals. Which is connected to a number, which are on the same sites as a number of big NHS trusts, so Barts, City, and Hackney. So even one worker going out making this sort of statement is potentially going to transform and have a knock-on effect quite a lot of areas. We definitely don't want coronavirus on our psychiatric wards. It would be very, very bad indeed. So, um, so I think there's actually lots that can be done. Obviously, I'm not just going to go and, you know, be a one-man hero. I'm just going to go and talk to my colleagues about this and see what's, what's possible. But I think there's a kind of need to do it, I think it could very quickly snowball, and I think the organisation as a whole should, um, should, should make this a bit of a priority. Publicise how you do it, to get some briefings out there, and to try and encourage this sort of action by actually going out and doing it ourselves. Sure. So there's a,
3: there's a few things that have tried in with what Ruth and Stuart have said, I work London Underground and there's a wider issue with London Underground as well in terms of its own ability to infect everybody here in other people's workplaces won't do uh, in quite the same way as uh, confirmed cases now onto lines and drivers who've driven multiple trains during that time. Um, and there's a further complicated issue that's arisen yesterday, which I don't, I don't know fully. the answer to, and that's the issue of GDPR. Um, so we, um, in the Town Depot, the depot that I will be based at, there's a driver who's been taken sick, who was an instructor, so therefore they've had multiple people working with them, but they've also taken a live classroom uh, activity with multiple people, but the company says that they are going to contact everybody and they hold all this data. The union's can't get a hold of who these people are and work out where they've now gone and what they might do because the company might give that to them. So all that we can get from the underground is that these people will be contacted, or these people have been contacted, but we don't know. know. You could have gone manually, you switch off your phone, you don't have your emails, Not aware of these things, you've gone somewhere else. And it's likely in a heightened period like this that people are kind of a bit more aware of what their employer is doing and they might answer a phone call from their boss in a way they wouldn't normally do so. But nonetheless, it does mean that there is a sort of layer of people who are, according to the the health advice, you know, they've been, they've spent very close contact with people for a sustained period of time and there's not really a way through the workplace for us to know who those people are. So you can made the argument that therefore well, the safest thing to do at the moment is to, you know, to shut down shut down those workplaces and to, until, until we find out what the hell is going on, to paraphrase someone else. But there's a wider issue I think in terms of shutting down the tube as a whole would not be uh, desirable, I don't think, in terms of what we need uh, in general and in general. The New York subway has said that it's in favour of Producing a service if it's asked to, but it's made continuity plans to start doing that, it, it's had a drop off of 18%. In terms of its passenger numbers, it takes about five million people every day. Uh, the tube is is not dissimilar in many ways because it's is a much larger network. Um so it's it's kind of unclear at the moment exactly what's going to do. There's a lot of inconsistencies going in different places, and despite the fact that the tube is you know one organisation that runs the whole thing, London Underground, that's under the control of TFL and under the control of the mayor, who, you know, people would have seen basically just that the government is doing a a good job. Um, The lines are all run differently, different buildings are run separately and independently, they have their own local rules, and this is causing a problem as well. So we know that Sadiq Khan, with the mayor, did a photo of opportunity at the bridge station with a number of outsourced cleaners, championing the fact that they were now going to clean you know, all regularly. This mm-hmm. is at the same time as he's part cleaning numbers, and he refuses to take those cleaners in-house so that if they do go off it, they're only entitled to statutory suit pay, they won't get the same company suit pay as I would, or anybody else that works on the tubes, so there's you know, there's quite the hypocritical. He's it's now well within his power and always has been, but it would be a big gesture in many ways that would look favourably on him to do this now. When Carillion collapsed, he took anyone that worked for them that was a Half a underground cleaners and whatsoever back in house and perfectly able to do that. Um, I'm sure in the times like this there will be support for him to break the contract and build any sort of campaign that he could do around that. Now you think in a year, year of the election he might have been willing to do that, maybe now that's less of a concern for him. But so the issue for us is that we've got as very all these low paid cleaners who aren't on the same terms and conditions, who are on the front line of dealing with anything. If there is an outbreak anywhere, they're the ones set to go and Cleaning up often using the same materials that they're using everywhere else. So we're told they've been given separate cleaning things for public facing, uh, like the ticket machines, which you may use. Um, of course, previously there were ticket offices, which would have meant there was less of that. Which something that would have been in contact with people behind a screen, and they wouldn't have just been touching something that everybody else has touched. If you look at the rates that are generally recorded of PCs on the phones, um, self-service machines, the rates would be pretty similar on a uh, on an underground ticket uh, machine, and given that they're also used by homeless of people very regularly to try and refund booster cars and things like that, they're used by people who generally have lower levels of personal hygiene, not for any form of their own. So, they're apparently being cleaned but they're being cleaned with the same materials, same cloths, and then going and being cleaning stuff, measurements and, and things like that. So, the kind of easy side of it, in a way the guarantee that we'll get paid for sick pay, these things won't get marked out of the life of sickness. We, we, we've done that in terms of the EU. or the unions have worked on that and have got reassurance on that, although each time advice comes out, it's, it's quickly contradicted. But what there isn't is any sort of plan or any sort of of thinking of what, is, what should ESG workers be doing and arguing for, what should we do in the case of a depot having we'll confirmed cases, um, should it be shut? Should, should the Piccadilly line in effect be shut down, or should the Jubilee line be shut down? I don't think you probably should, but nobody knows exactly what to do, and there's nothing coming from the employer to give any kind of specialist advice. But the, the tube will be a breeding ground for these things. Transport networks in general will be a, a kind of breeding ground for People in close contact, force will be in close contact for a long periods of time. Um, often people are ill who work on the underground in general and who use the underground in general is because you're hard compact, people just you know, people faint. Every rush hour, at least one person will faint on the way into the underground. So, didn't travel with sickness. Um, we've got an increase in of, of sickness from working there. But there is not, there is these individual things of sick pay for us, sorting that out, or a deep clean here and there. But there is no talk yet of any kind of strategy. Uh, I also think the unions are remiss of not saying anything about what that strategy might look like. or at least contemplating it. You know, there's nothing from the RT, as a, um, here's to TSSA, you know. As to what they might think would be sensible to do, they just say we want to do our most to protect the workers. Um, but I think we could be, you know, we could start now talking about what might be sensible. There are obviously lots of people who are experienced, trade unionist, at work on the tube, who know a lot about their jobs, have been there for a long time. You could sort of say what kind of service you could sort of run in the emergencies. Uh, people would have seen there would be delays today because of a supposed shortage. The train operators the Victoria Line is running in about 40 minutes today. Um, you know, but that can be planned for that's now the result. So the people there have the ability, we can rather a reduced service, but we need to start like, thinking about what that might look like and what is sensible about doing that and how we can maintain anything like social distancing. I think mean, one thing would be to be immediately to stop charging people um, you know, you're touching which you're reaching into your pocket for, and then touching something against things which millions of other no people are then touching and putting it back in your pocket if you just open the barriers and instituted crowd control that way that would be one way of reducing the amount of services being touched and obviously that's been a very unpopular thing to do because that includes millions in, in revenue uh, potentially if done over a long period of time but that's the sort of thing that i think we should be discussing at the moment uh, you know that's going to be seen
4: the that um, so Martin mentioned I've been working on mutual aid groups. Um, I'm based in Sheffield. How many people in other places have seen like Facebook groups popping up for that sort of thing? Yeah, have any of you like seen it done through like Labour branches or trade union branches? Um, so like, basically I just want to make the argument that it might be a useful way to take the initiative. Um, I set up two this morning um, loosely okay. based on labour wards, um, And I know that sometimes when you see them you can kind of recoil because they come across as a little bit like David Cameron's big society. Um, but I think if you use them well you can try and move them towards the kind of stuff that Martin was talking about really as, as a vehicle for organising. Um, so some of the stuff that I've seen some mutual aid groups talking about already is like putting notes through people's doors saying do you want help with picking up shopping or like having a friendly phone call and um, we're planning to also say like like are you having trouble with work and time off sick and things like that and like what do you need and hopefully if we can create like avenues for conversation um, and like getting people in the habit of organizing and also mapping out their area it could be their street it could be not geographical and, and the kind of the problems that they're seeing it's quite a quick route to kind of politicizing a lot of people over the issues that are affecting them. Uh, one thing that's been on my mind a lot, um, which probably links to what you were saying about the right to isolate just because of health and safety, is my dad's 65 He works on the checkout so has and he has an underlying condition. I don't want him to have to be fighting for like, sick pay during self-isolation having already got symptoms, so I want him to be able to isolate before developing symptoms. Um, and that might be a, a less difficult fight for him looking old, but if it was me on the checkouts with an underlying like immune condition, that would be really hard for me at the moment. So like there's gonna be so much of that where um, people are like quite desperately wanting to access uh, things that they're not currently being given. Um, we were talking in the car down about um, during the blitz it was the left that was organizing to open the tube stations and you know like like the opportunity for for creating chances for people to chat. Um, the other good thing about setting up Facebook groups and things like that is you can marry like getting people used to organising around this stuff with like education a lot of people have been talking about like online meetings and stuff like that so um, if you think there's an opportunity to take the initiative start a mutual aid group and make the discussion about like rights and worker issues and acting on that um, I'm just like encouraging you to do it I think it would work it I wasn't surprised when we said that I, didn't know that. Was not a at all. I suppose the fact is, it's not just a matter of people being home, but also people being very scared and uh, being short cash. And um, that kind of relates to something that I wanted to say because
5: um, I think it's incumbent on us at the moment to remember that we are to resist panic and to stand up for kind of social solidarity and uh, um, the poorest and the weakest in this sort of situation. Um, I think the left in a poor position to do it, but the unions can do it. And the thing that struck me, and it reminded me of just vaguely, you know, was when, the, when Yugoslavia was in the process of breaking up, um, the, the, one of the miners' unions maintained um, the whole society was collapsing into so different national groups, warring national groups, and the, the miners' unions stood up for uh, what it was unity and against uh, nationalism it's necessary to try and get the workers move today in Britain, but even essentially, the labour party to, to stand up for um, the weakest. Because I mean in this situation people would be a big driver, people just simply think set about themselves but, and in a quite selfish way and uh, that's not healthy, um, uh, It's not good, so there's responsibility no to do that. The other thing that's sort of the, the sort of general political point, just about the first thing I've have been laid that One of the things I was thinking about a few weeks ago when this crisis was first hitting is is about the incompetence, first of the Chinese government and then of the Iranian government. What you were reminded me of was something actually a completely different situation um, about Nicaragua. One of the factors in Nicaragua, Nicaragua had a revolution of sorts in 1979, in in the 70s, the science revolution. And one of the things in the background was um, a crisis caused by an earthquake in Iraq in 1972. And in 1972 there was an enormous amount of international aid that came into Iraq, um, and it was stolen by the government. And it had the political effect of, of massively undermining the government, politically. And in a country like Iraq now, because of their lying hypocrisy, they're, they're, you know, they're obviously they're very visibly lying about the scale of the And they're having it incredibly important. That will be a very serious a serious political, you know. It will have a will have the effect of undermining the regime significantly. Um, uh, and that's important. What I was speaking to, to um, another comment a couple of weeks ago, and she reminded me of Chernobyl. Chernobyl and the reaction of the Russian, the Russian reaction to that in cover had exactly the same effect. So governments behave badly in this sort of sort of situation will undermine themselves. We should bear that in mind. Um, just in terms of um, in terms of closures, well, there's was this kind of there's a, there's a kind of grain of uh, you know what, what, what we mind closing, what we don't mind closing. I mean so the Football League and the Championship will close down on, on a certain level on the league spot. I mean we can live with that, Who the hell cares about that? There certain, I, mean, I was spreading hey, up John John Maloney's stuff about oh yeah, um, closing all um, PCS offices, you know, there's danger things should just, just strike. I, I wonder people well, what about the prisons? What about what about benefits? And that's different from somebody that's just researching something that doesn't really matter as You know, there, there are there are a series of grades of more important stuff and there's plenty of stuff that just simply cannot close. You know, water, electricity certainly you not know, the, the, the health service of um, and schools have a position somewhere kind of in the middle it um, and um, Right, so, so uh, we, and we're not just trade unionists, and you know, just simply us in favour of working workers' actions to defend the political of workers. We're in favour of social cohesion, we're in favour of the general yeah. that's And that implies uh, things like Martin talked about, I think, it's particularly important. Like the unions must. must I mean, well, if the left was strong, if we had 10,000 members, we'd do things like, I don't know, for example, Richard Wright, when he was a, a black communist in, in America in the thirties, and he was, a, he was in the south side of Chicago, they set up all sorts of committees to, for example, to monitor um, inflation and, the south, and how it impacted the black orders in the south side of Chicago. I mean, the left is not in a position to do that, but I mean, the unions are. Right? The unions should systematically monitor and comment on how the, um, how this everything is impacting. And help to inform working class trade union action in defence of our because I mean, you know, the, this crisis is not going to impact on everybody equal. Um, the rich are, the rich are going, to, going to be able to do all sorts of things to get it out of the way of um, it. That brings me to school clubs. I mean, I, I you know, I teach A in schools. I mean, at the moment in Birmingham, South London. there's no no reason to support positive, and I see no reason to. Shut at school at all. Yeah. Like, for all sorts of reasons. They even things like, you know, lots of kids in my school get, get free school meals. They're going to go home, and they're, they're actually going to be hungry. Um, but if the libraries and schools all shut, um, these kids will be, you know, they've got two bedrooms at home and four kids. Um, that's not out nice environment to study in for all the reasons that are more than reasonable to that. Um, there's, there's no need to do it yet. I mean, think quite often something else about that is that my school group is meeting on Monday. The, the unions room. My, my, my union needs to meet, you know, if the school shut the union right be. The Legend closed down as well, workplace is closed down. So I think that we need to, we need to have a kind of a more measured approach to shut everything down. It depends on the type of services that are providing. Some services can shut down.
0: And that implies a drive to work as we're trying to protect workers through our own suborganisation so we're not fixing what the bosses intend to do us and just push us around. Yeah, so um, thank you everybody for that. I found that very useful. The and, um, I hope everybody else did. And I think one of, the, one of the big themes has been, um, and I'm glad of this, that. Our concern for social distancing is not just for, you know, ourselves as, you know, both the relatively young and relatively healthy people, not just for people who can work at home or whose jobs can be shut down, you know, uh, not, for people, not just for people who can go home and their home is fine, you know, everything's fine there. But for all, our concern is for the whole of the working class, surrounding people, perhaps, including um, unemployed, homeless, and so on, um, who don't have all of this. System, or have all of them, you know? And um, we can't, we're not in a position to be a substitute them. yet, no. The day will come, but not yet. But there, um, there are all sorts of things we can do, from, you know, the very simple things we talked talk about, you just go around Know, the rock put go, you know, we've got a and put out the car to the door, you know, you want help? Which means going out of your house. Um, so there's that. Um, the discussion about schools is, um, we haven't got time to discuss it, but it's raised uh, a thought with me. Um, it won't go school coaches, but, um, well, when, when my kids were schooled, um, Australia what they would um, they would go to school in the school holidays too for back check so it was run by you know so they would be looked after in the day at school they would have food and and, uh, um, and that's a great time but um, and um, uh, you should think whether there's a case for what we think about the idea of school buildings being kept open for some, you know. There's a problem now. Uh, there's a problem, there's a problem, there's a problem. There's a problem,
3: don't keep working children in the same place. If there's any infection taken out all the key worker children, and therefore all the key workers in one past week. Yeah,
0: yeah, sure. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it wouldn't there wouldn't it wouldn't be for everybody so you would have to, you know it's not like probably class yeah. I don't know, but I think certainly um, I don't think our response would be on no. we want everybody to be a part. Guess so. Um I mean, yeah, we do want provision for um oh, story. The other thing I wanted to take up with on is uh, what Dan just said about balls, it's the thing I failed cover in my uh, initial uh, 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 introduction, which is uh, looking at this on an international level. And again, it, which is the same basis we know we don't just talk for ourselves, you know, because one is, right, we know we know about the huge problems with cash resources. Okay. But there are a lot of countries in the world where, where those, those problems have become insignificant by comparison. If you look at the World Health Organization map, it says there are no cases in Syria, more than those words. Now, is that likely, or is it that nobody's counting? If you're in Italy and you have a cough and um, a fever, well, what are you doing? Well, actually, you're probably not worrying too much about the cop, you're worrying about how you're to be bombed by a satellite. Where can you keep yourself? So, <coughs> if you're in the refugee camps, um, being told to go home and stay home is, you know, the refugee camp, which is crowded, which has very poor sanitary conditions, so which no, virtually no medical division, is not a good place to stay home. Now, this isn't a popular thought that you know we should be advocating if the countries open their doors to people um, many of whom may well have the infection you know but, um, if the infection starts in a refugee camp Turkey or Greece it's it's going to grow spread a lot faster than it does in Britain um but um but of uh, one thing's obviously we should argue for is the British countries spending massive amounts in aid. Yeah. Where there's an you can give aid to, which I mean the is in Syria, who gives you the aid to it. that's how you can buy more bonds and drop them. Um, and uh for um you know for opening the doors and for uh, a human socialist attitude to the people who are going to suffer worse than this. And what we should not end up with is like the British government in India in 1918, where the British government didn't even admit anything was going on. They will not doing anything about like it. 18 million people died. Vastly more than that. You've come you brought up by a true ship of people in soldiers fighting for Right, that's not, I mean, we've talked about what you can do, in, I, I don't want to counterpose that what you can do in your workplace and so on. But that big picture is, is part of what we're about also as soldiers. We're not just about, you know, me and my mates, are okay. And say, that's my